in the mood to eat my vegetables, so I'm going to drink them. Hey everybody, this is a very special episode of Enhancement Talent. My name's Dan. I'm not Evan. I'm the other guy. Um, and I've got Evan here too because yeah, I am here. I am going to tell him about what, in my opinion, is a legendary story in professional sports entertainment. Professional sport. Okay, so that's right. I'm like going to tell you the uh, about the life and times of none other than Rick the Crusher Sure. Wait, 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 wait. Rick Schur. Name sounds Rick, familiar, right? Uh, I thought this was a wrestling podcast. Would it? Yeah, Rick so, Schur um, is not a wrestler as far well, as I know. Rick Schur is not a wrestler, nor okay. was he ever a wrestler. However, uh, you may know his famous son, Adam Schur, who uh, currently wrestles in the WWE as Braun Strowman, the monster among men. Oh. And... Uh, You've actually, if you're an eagle-eyed viewer of WrestleMania, um, you may have already seen Rickshire on WWE TV. Really? Um, in WrestleMania 34, a couple of weeks ago, Braun Strowman uh, was looking for a tag team partner during his match. He, uh, he did walk by his dad, um, who is a gentleman who certainly looks like he could win a tag team championship belt. Um, was on a he moment's the, uh, notice. Uh, was he the very large gentleman kind of looked like the li- literal Santa with muscles? Yeah, he um he was he's a very Santa looking guy. Okay. Um he is uh looks a lot like an older balder Braun Strowman, enormous white beard. Yep. Gigantic man. Um has little round glasses and a long white beard. I did notice. And um actually let me uh, let me show you a picture of of what he looked like. Back in uh, in 1977, you see the family resemblance. Um, there he is, right there. Well, I'll be a son of a gun. That he actually looks, looks a little bit like, like Bray Wyatt there he too. Look, but yeah. uh, he is, he, was, he has always well been an enormous family. bearded uh, Southern man. How about um, that? But more importantly, uh, he could have been a superstar pro wrestler if he'd wanted to. Uh, most importantly, he's. Uh, gone down in history as uh, not really arguably the greatest uh, soft slow pitch softball player of all time slow pitch softball what can you explain that yes so uh softball in general was a variant of baseball that was originally created as an indoor game on thanksgiving day of 1887 and huh. uh that happened at the Farragut Boat Club in Chicago, Illinois, at a gathering to hear the outcome of the Harvard-Yale football game, um, presumably by telegraph or something. And uh, when the score was announced and bets were settled, a Yale alumnus threw a boxing glove at a Harvard supporter, and the Harvard fan grabbed a stick and swung at the rolled-up glove. (laughs) Uh, George Hancock, who was an opportunistic reporter there, called out, Play ball! And the game began with the boxing glove tightened into a ball, a broom handle serving as a bat. And this first contest ended with a score of 41-40. And uh, the ball was originally fielded barehand. Nowadays, 
it's uh, played largely like baseball, the biggest exception being that uh, you have to pitch the ball when you're pitching to the plate in an arc. So uh, it's a very, very slow pitch. Pitches are usually about a mile per hour okay. um, as opposed to the, you know, 100 miles per hour that, uh, you know, a fastball in the major leagues. Right. Um, can Typical baseball fair. Can clock out to. Um, there are a couple other differences. There are 10 players on a softball team in slow pitch. Okay. Um, the 10th player is actually designated as a, uh, a rover. Um, so often they're used as a secondary outfielder. Um, so they'll have rather than left field, center field, right field, there will be a left field, center left field, center right field, right field. But uh, actually recently people are using that 10th player as almost a second shortstop. So have a player between first and second base. And wow, uh, this is a lot of a lot of yeah, detail. The uh, other things that are that are worth noting are uh, that the um, oftentimes aluminum bats are allowed. Okay. Um, the field is the same for men's softball. The field is the same size as a uh, little league field. So it is. Um, um, I'd say maybe like the three quarters of the size or so of a you know regulation baseball field. Yep. It expanded from Chicago through the Midwest and then throughout America. Okay. And uh, some other names it used to have were, uh, let's see, Diamond Ball and Lemon Ball and uh, Kitten Ball, actually, because apparently the first team to play <laughs> it, the, the first Minneapolis team to play slow pitch softball uh-huh. were were i guess called the kittens so they say it was called kitten ball after the first team to play so it wasn't called kitten ball because they used a small bald kitten no they did not well and, thank um, god for that actually they they started using a a fairly uh, rigid ball um i mean a, 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 a ball it's similar in density to a, a baseball um well, I think softball in the, the is, is like much larger so. right it's it's significantly larger yeah um but it's it's not it's not particularly soft. I mean, if you no, if you pick not. it up, it it feels like just a big baseball. Right. But they 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 don't call it large ball. It's <laughs> it's softballs. For because now, do, I think do, do they call it softball because of the the throw style, like it is thrown softly. Um, they 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 don't, as far as I can tell. It's um it, the ball did used to be a lot softer, but okay. um I think in the 1930s or 40s they standardized it to uh. A, a baseball kind of uh, density. Okay. But um, between the larger ball, the smaller field, and uh, the slower pitches especially, and um, this game really can be like a hitter's paradise. Okay. Um, you know, unlike baseball, it's fairly easy to, uh, to knock a good double or triple or even a home run without uh you know quite as much skill as you might need to uh to hit like a fastball in you know in a baseball game. Yep. So uh that does allow for some very high scoring games and also for some heroic uh efforts in in batting. You know, I got to say uh, man, that's that's where Rick the Crusher share gets his his name nickname and gains his reputation in softball mm-hmm. as a slugger. You know, it's a little hard to say exactly what his uh, accomplishments truly are. Because uh, the games are always less formal. The records weren't as official. But uh, Can I just say one yeah. thing? This is so my game. 
Oh like, yeah, mine like mine too. I I have a, a lot of experience playing beer league softball in college. Yeah, and I it mean, was, you know, I, I'd score five <laughs> or six points a game sometimes, despite being extremely out of shape, holding a beer in one hand and my glove in the other. Yeah, same. And I was games uh, where we kept uh, thirty racks for the bases. Yeah, I gotta say, man, you know, as uh, somebody who spent his college years uh, weighing somewhere just north of three hundred pounds, softball was in fact my jam. Uh, it was like my only exercise, and uh, <laughs> now that I look at it as a, uh, a you know a skinny fat stoner in his mid thirties, it's still totally my shit. Like kind of unofficial kind of like loosey goosey with the rule book kind of just played like uh eh, when yeah. it ends it ends kind of softball's like a it's a great game and uh you know perhaps no one was greater that than rick share fair uh, okay tell me more about so this he was crusher. Nicknamed the crusher and uh he uh let's see he um braun strom and his son weighs in at 6'8", and I think around 275 pounds. Mm-hmm. For most of Rick Scherer's career, he measured at 6'5", and uh, in 1981, his weight was listed at 245. In 1986, uh, there's an article I read that listed him as an even three bills, 300 pounds. That's a big so, guy. Uh, but yeah, he is a, a, a large man and the largest player on any of the teams he played for. There are three actually major governing bodies for softball in America. Mm-hmm. And uh, they all, during the, the kind of heyday of the sport in the 70s and 80s, um, they all had different, uh, like, all Hall of Fames, and or they had different, like, all-star games and national kind of games. The Right. Basically, instead of a World Series, like, all of them would have kind of invitational... Uh, all national games. Uh, there was the ASA, the American Softball Association. There was the USSSA, the United States Slow Pitch Softball Association. And then wait, uh, wait, USSSA, USSSA. Yeah, three S's. Woosa. And there was the um, <laughs> in the 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 seventies and eighties. There was also the National Slow Pitch Conference which uh, I think became defunct in 1984 or so. Um, So for the National Slow Pitch Conference, uh, your boy Rick Scherer was a member of the 1979 All-Tournament team, Mm -hmm. which I I think may have been the first year they actually had an All-Tournament team. I know he was playing softball for years before that at a, a high level, but um, so I imagine if they had had an All-Tournament tournament team before perhaps he would have been on it records for the national slow pitch conference are a little hard to find i think because it's defunct i found an old angel fire site yep. that uh, had some info but i don't know how accurate it all is but well this i can prove to you he was uh, a member of the 1979 all tournament team and it was recorded there that during that series he hit 11 home runs which um Probably was not over over one single game. I, I'm guessing it was a, a best of seven series, like uh-huh. the World Series. And I couldn't find out how, quite how many games that was, but still, well, 11 home runs. In That's a, a lot of home runs. Series is an enormous amount of home yeah. runs. Um, he was so also a member of the 1980 all tournament team, the 1981 team, the 1982 team, and the 1983 team. And uh, they 
uh, the, the organization shut down in 1984, so he was not a part of that team, but presumably he would have been. Probably, yeah. I mean, by then he was also a dad. Um, yes, he was. To a young a young boy named Adam who would grow to be a uh, almost 400-pound yeah, professional a, um, wrestler. An L.A. Times article about him from 1985 called The Home Run King of Softball actually begins with uh, the paragraph, Updrives the supposed Hell's Angel, 6'5 and 300 pounds of long-haired, bearded crusher jammed under the wheel of a little red Toyota with an infant safety chair in the back seat. <laughs> that infant was... Uh, former WWE Tag Team Champion Braun Strowman. In the USSSA, he was the 1981 Most Valuable Player. Uh-huh. And uh, he still is ranked uh, number one in most home runs by the USSSA's account. So the USSSA still exists? It does still exist. Okay. Um, and that's especially noteworthy because he's he doesn't rank in the most at-bats. Like, he's not even in the top 15 of at bats he uh so is he's not like some guy who's just playing 300 games a year and knocking out homers just you know statistically speaking no he's like earning his nickname is what you're saying like he's yes he's walking up to the plate and he's killing it yeah so he he he's estimated it it at over 1800 home runs um now i mean babe ruth's record uh was do you remember that it was something like 600 and and so home runs right um, let's just say 666. Yeah, I mean, that's on. that's basically about right, yeah. yeah. No, he got 714 home runs in his career. Whew, um, okay. I just looked that up. So, you know, Good people have been work, Dan. beating that record. Uh, Barry Bonds got probably something in the 800s, maybe. Yes. Um, career home runs were, uh, yeah, 762. So this man's got 1,800 that were recorded. Um, these the the teams that Rick the Crusher share played on slightly less formal, so you know I'm sure there's stuff that wasn't even recorded. Um, let's see in so he could have upwards of Braun's like dad two hundred thousand. Yeah, he smacked twelve homers in five games, en route to being crowned MVP of the 1982 Conway Twitty Softball Classic in Hendersonville, Tennessee. This perhaps <laughs> the the most uh. Carolinian Southern sentence that I can imagine. That is truly a mouthful on top of all <laughs> Yeah, that. he's a Conway Twitty softball classic MVP, <laughs> 1982. In 1985, we know he hit 451 homers over 191 games. I have to ask a hypothetical question. There's an average of 2.36 homers per game. Yes. Damn, that is a lot of homers. Do you think, do you think, Yeah. just maybe, maybe, just maybe, there was a time where someone res- like disrespected Rick the Crusher, sure. And his response was, do you know who I am? I'm Rick the Crusher, sure. I'm the Conway Twitty Softball Invitational MVP of 1982. I mean, I... There has to have been a time where he said that, right? I think it's entirely possible. Oh, and, fingers um, fucking crossed, dude. You know, I, I, I mean, he was... It's hard to say exactly what his celebrity was like. Right. Um, certainly in the Carolinas, I think um, there are reports of thousands of people coming to to these games. He um, he recorded uh, instructional videos for softball that his teams would put out. I mean, actually, I can actually hear a little bit of a clip right here 
um, where he describes hitting for power. Power hitting with Rick Shear, the most valuable player in all of softball in 1981. Main thing is on uh, hitting for home runs. It's timing, which takes a lot of batting practice. Not gripping your bat too tight, so when you do swing, if your grip is too tight, it don't make your wrist break. You gotta have a free hold on the bat. Yeah, that's uh, that is actually a Midwestern accent there. Um, while Braun Strowman is from North Carolina, yep, and uh, Rick Sherrod did most of his uh, his famous softball work in the Carolinas. Um, he's actually from uh, Wisconsin, if oh. I recall correctly. Let me just. Uh, so my my impression was way off. Yeah, no. Let me uh, <laughs> can I actually look that up. Slinger, Wisconsin, yeah. He actually played basketball in high school, but um, was, in in his own opinion, too short to make it in professional basketball. At six foot five in the 1970s? Yeah, in the, the 70s, I think, yeah. And uh, he says, you know, he, according to him, he said he'd like to have played football because, in his words, I was big. When I got out of high school, I was 270. I was probably the biggest guy in the school. They only let me play one year. I got caught drinking and smoking over summer break. <laughs> so he just ended up becoming a working man and playing softball for fun. And one thing you have to understand about softball, uh-huh. um, I think to this day, and uh, in the especially in the 70s and the 80s, is that uh, the teams that, uh, you know, that are playing at a kind of elite level are still... Um, sponsored teams that are put together by the kind of largesse of some you know local small town business owner um so for instance there so were softball in in the 80s there were about like a dozen teams that would play kind of at a national level and they'd you know fly out to other cities and they play put on games but they'd be managed by like uh you know howard's furniture for instance which is the team that uh rick share played for uh, for most of his career for so hypothetically again yes. softball in general professional softball is essentially the official sport of the movie raising arizona oh yeah almost like entirely, because yeah. unpainted arizona and would have definitely had a softball team yeah and uh rick share is basically the last biker of the apocalypse god um, damn you know he's describing a, there's a 1986 la times article about him called the home run king of softball uh quote crusher is an appropriate nickname for one who hit home 451 homers last year um where uh they spend a lot of time interviewing him about why he doesn't cut his hair um in his words i guess i just hate getting haircuts and um <laughs> they uh mention that his voice rumbles like a bass guitar being played at the bottom of the well not too many teams like to come up here and play anymore says crusher they don't like getting beat 65 and 46 and stuff like that. He was, uh, by the way, he was a third baseman for most of his career. Mm-hmm. I think he started his career as a first baseman. He did. Um, he ended up working in Corpus Christi, Texas for uh, a couple of years, and he played softball while he was there. And um, I think he was actually discovered at a kind of softball home run derby that was in Corpus Christi. And he finished fifth, but the man sponsoring the tournament put him to work as a maintenance man uh-huh. and then as a first baseman. And that's kind of how it worked back then. Softball players weren't usually paid, but what would happen is usually, you know, if you were the kind of guy 
who uh, was interested in having a softball team as like advertisement for your your company, then you would kind of hire this the you know your, your players and you give them cushy jobs, right? And sometimes you know paying them like twice as much as other employees were getting, and then just on the weekends, you know, your boss would fly you out to play softball around the country, or other teams would play at your place. You know, oftentimes uh, small business owners would actually build a little softball. Uh, stadium like <laughs> next to their their you know so so um, putting it all like this their restaurant Rick, or or wh- whatever it is was rick sure like a like a furniture salesman um yeah, yes he was he worked for a glass company at some point okay um i i've seen he's had a a, a couple of different odd jobs i saw but um at some point in the early 80s he ended up moving to uh denver north carolina okay the denver of the east it's called um, to work for Howard's Furniture, which was run by a man named Richard Howard, who um oh it's a last name thing okay yeah and um it uh, the team eventually became uh, Howard's Western Steer because uh, Richard Howard also had a chain of uh, restaurants called One Fifty Western Steer. Um, he, so he, he ra- became a kind of like tycoon of uh, the Carolinas. There's an article where he's described uh, as let me let me see. Richard Howard is a smiling, born-again, very portly, almost 360 pounds, 56-year-old Denver native and hardwood furniture magnate who is to slow-pitch softball and to Denver what Churchill was to England. Ask any softball fan who is the most recognized and famous slow-pitch team in America. Reads a brochure about Howard's furniture of Denver, North Carolina. I found a whole GeoCities website about, and I quote, the legendary 1977 Howard's Furniture Team, and that's where I got the picture I showed you of Rick Scherer. Um, I mean, shit, this is man. this is basically like you know, like the Murderers Row era Yankees. Okay. In terms of, and they were just all dudes working for this guy because he would company. pay a hundred thousand dollars a year to build a stadium like next to his house and make sure that he had the best slow pitch softball <laughs> team, which usually just meant, um, you know, like I said, in the rules of this game. If you're a six foot five, you know, beefy, muscular guy, yep. you're, you're gonna, gonna do gonna well. be able to score runs pretty easily. Yeah. Ball slightly bigger, so it's probably easier for you to catch. Um, and it's a hitter's game. It's not a fielder's game. You don't need as much athleticism. I mean, well, you need athleticism, but you don't need as much speed or uh, precision yeah. as in baseball. So um, you know, oftentimes you could field a pretty dominant softball team by just getting a bunch of Big burly dudes, dudes yes. on your, your roster. And if you were in the kind of line of work, like, for instance, uh, furniture hauling or moving, where uh, you were just naturally hiring those guys, then you could probably get, you know, a nice little incentive to get one of these working men to come, come this work sounds for you an in, awful in the lot like, um This sounds an awful lot like Mr. Burns' softball team in the early <laughs> episodes of The Simpsons. Um, but besides that, I... Because... How do I put this to you? Um, I don't know from actual sport, Dan. Yeah. I watch wrestling. So what would Braun Strowman have to accomplish to become, like hypothetically, what would Braun Strowman have to accomplish to become the Rick the Crusher share of professional wrestling? I've thought a lot about that, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I um, actually one thing that I've considered 
mm-hmm. is uh, there's uh, there's actually you can see who the uh, the second best softball player of all time was. Okay, and um, I compare Rick Sher to to him just to see you know how much better he was, and uh, that that might give us some some starting point. Okay, so the second best slow pitch softball player of all time i think by most accounts is bruce the bruiser mead and uh he was actually six foot six 235 pounds so leaner than the crusher but taller um he had a 33 inch waist and a mustache the size of a tricycle handlebar (laughs) um and superman blue eyes apparently he hit more than 1200 home runs but the crusher hit more than 1800 allegedly right so if you're comparing that to a wrestling achievement um that would basically mean you'd have to win a third like or like half again as many titles as say john cena has won so braun Strowman would have to be a 24-time world champion to be as uh accomplished as as his father was in softball well i just don't know about that happening Meanwhile, his father was doing this just yeah while being a humble uh, furniture mover, working for this guy Richard Howard, who um and I'll show you a picture, actually with his his kind of blonde hair, his white belts, and his very wide collars looked um like a kind of very rotund Freddie Blassie. He's there on he the does, right. He does actually, yeah. He looks and, very uh, much like classy Freddie. Yeah, is a uh, he 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 himself was a very uh colorful character and almost a Vince McMahon sort of guy with a uh, intense desire to uh, become well known through this uh, obscure sport um, there's actually a this incredible article I use as a primary source for a lot of this it's a Washington Post article from 1981 called mm-hmm. The Man Who Would Be King of Softball and it describes uh, Cher's boss uh, this guy Richard Howard of Howard's Furniture, and his intense softball rivalry with uh, his former star pitcher and former business partner turned bitter enemy. His name is Dave Carroll. Oh, of course. And I'm uh, sorry, folks. I am. I am actually locked in on this story that Dan is is. So uh, I've got to. I've got to tell you. I, I mean, I might just read a few paragraphs of this. Uh, oh, please do. This this article here. Just to show you the milieu in which uh, Rick the Crusher share was uh, was working. So just the article starts um, with Dave Carroll describing um, his softball team. You know, outside Carroll's office in a reception area lined with an orange-green shag rug and a forest of four-feet-high gold and silver trophies, a group of men with bowling ball biceps varying in ages from 25 to 40 looked like the Grand Tetons. And now um, I should say that they, the author of this article writes all of Dave Carroll's uh, speech in uh, like kind of phoneticized Carolina slang or <laughs> dialect. Okay. See Bruce Thar, continued Carroll. The 43-year-old North Carolina resident and owner of what his closest rival, Richard Howard, terms the con ed of softballdom. No one can knock a softball as bru- far as Bruce can. That's Bruce the Bruiser Mead. Um, basically the, the, the cane to Rick Scherer's undertaker. Okay. No one can even come close. 
Who can stop Dave Carroll and his amazing slow-pitch softball machine? In softball or in business, not many can. Uh, basically, Dave Carroll, uh, from he, uh, he had, was a, a star softball pitcher who was uh, eventually brought on to work for Richard Howard, mm-hmm. you know, given a job off of the strength of his softball playing. Right. He was known as the best pitcher in slow-pitch softball in the 70s. Because he was the only guy, allegedly, who could throw a uh, knuckleball or like a curveball. With a softball. With a softball going, you know, like basically 50 times the speed of your average fast pitch baseball. Right. I mean, well, 150th the speed. Um, he was a special talent, but, uh, and he, uh, he got, you know, local Carolina mogul Richard Howard to help him finance a very successful softball sporting goods company where they started making aluminum bats called the uh, Green Bombat. Green Bombat. Yeah, B-O-M-B-A-T. It's a very strange name. But uh, apparently they made like... Their their 1981 sales were projected to be between 4 and 5 million. Um, They, uh, according to... uh, Well, apparently... um, some of the money that Dave Carroll might have used to uh, start this company mm-hmm. with well, with Richard Howard might have been a little shady. He actually, uh, they, 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 uh, their friendship ended suddenly when uh, Dave Carroll quit both the softball team and the company after, in response to being benched at uh, an all-star game in 1976. Now, 1976, if you're a real softball uh, fanatic, you'll know that that was the one year in which the uh, USSA, they uh, allowed for what's called the unlimited arc. Basically, uh, there's normally a rule that says that uh, the arc that you have to throw a softball pitch Mm -hmm. has to be um, a maximum of 10 feet. But... uh, in this one year, 1976, they allowed you to throw a super, super, super high pitch that would like, I mean, almost like some kind of like pop fly throw. Okay. And, you know, they were able to throw in a much higher arc, which uh, Dave Carroll just couldn't really adjust to. And uh, his his pitching suffered as a, res- as a result in this game. So Richard Howard benched him and uh, Dave Carroll... Uh, he just game. walked out. He said, you know, he says, when I walked off the field, Carol said, I handed them my uniform and said, you'll never have to worry about me again. I'm gone. Six months later, Dave Carroll started his own team. And uh, Howard's quoted in this article saying, ever since that day, all that man has ever wanted to do is beat me in softball. One day we was friends, the next day enemies. Crazy, ain't it? Now, do I mention uh, that actually... Um, since 1974, when they started uh, making softball, uh, when they started the sporting goods company, mm-hmm. you know, that they've also been next door neighbors, and they actually both had softball fields in their their property in the Carolinas. So they are basically uh, 1980s Matt and Jeff Hardy <laughs> in the final deletion <laughs> story arc, only motivated by uh, Soft- <laughs> softball. And um, extremely shady financial uh, business deals to finance your sporting goods company instead of 
claiming to be a 4,000 year old man and uh, I don't know the and TNA Impact brother. world title yeah um, that is actually super fucking fascinating actually this whole thing is um, yeah so rife with intrigue I would say it's I mean uh, you could probably make a, a great Netflix uh, documentary series about this and I'm hoping someday they do but um you know, Dave Carroll, uh, he was actually arrested for uh, bank fraud um, in a case that was uh, being investigated by the FBI since the mid-70s. Basically, after this game in 76, Carroll, um, you know, f- allegedly, according to the FBI, financed his sporting goods company, which ended up making, you know, millions of dollars in profit selling bats to softball players, little leagues. Mm-hmm also selling balls and uh, bases and things. Um, he allegedly financed that by taking out like millions and millions of dollars in bank loans and some kind of bank load fraud that's more complicated than I really know how to follow. Right. And uh, let me see. But um, basically uh, there was like three million dollars that was uh unaccounted for um after yeah let's see that's uh some aspects of dave carroll's business methods have attracted the bureau's professional attention despite his stature as an all-american hero in an all-american sport carroll had a financial secret using a torrent of deposits and withdrawals in both the piedmont bank and trust company of charlotte north carolina and the first national bank of southern maryland in upper marlboro Carol and uh, David Wason, owner of Rip's Motel Liquor Restaurant Gas Anything You Want Complex on US 301 in Prince George's County. Was that the actual place's name? <laughs> I don't think so. I think it was called Rip's Restaurant, but <laughs> Rip's Restaurant was also one of the big, like, famous uh, slow-pitch softball teams of this era. Apparently, we're able, they were able to create interest-free money for 11 months. And in business as in softball, Dave Carroll went for the home run. In less than a year's time, Carol and Wason exchanged checks totaling at least $158 million, a good amount that existed only in the imagination. And when the ball game ended in February 1979, somewhere between $3.2 and $3.8 million, depending on whose scorekeeping you follow, was unaccounted for. Gone. Out of the ballpark. In its annual report for 1980, Wason's Bank, the first national bank of Southern Maryland, told its shareholders it had honored checks of more than $3.8 million, which had been improperly drawn against uncollected funds by one of its depositors. That eventually caught up with Dave Carroll, and he went to jail for a little while, I believe, in uh, 1982. He got arrested for bank fraud. Um, he went on to uh, suffer uh, both an enormous respiratory failure and uh, congestive heart failure at some point in the early 2000s. Jesus. Adding insult to injury, and uh, has since become a very, 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 very vocal born-again Christian. Oh. As, uh, like, the other website called, like, DaveCarrollReborn.com. So basically, you know, the more I heard about the the kind of odd circumstances of softball in the 70s, mm-hmm. made me kind of wonder why, uh, why Rick Sher hadn't become a wrestler. You know, yeah. it, it sounds like he'd be perfect for it. He's a athletic big man with a lot of a lot of personality. Comes across great in the interviews I've read with him. A lot of a lot of stage presence, even if he's just acting and 
terrible, terrible instructional softball DVDs. <laughs> I mean, by DVDs, I mean VHS tapes. Yes. Um, but uh, I guess there are a couple of things to consider about that. Like, uh, for one thing, you know, he was he was basically already living it, the wrestling dream. That's true. Uh, he'd work, was working for kind of bizarre uh, millionaire demi demagogues from the Carolinas who uh, didn't quite know what to do with all their money. So they uh, built teams of enormous men straight out of Vince McMahon's id. And uh, wow. you're know, right. Have them play each other every weekend, flying them out to different cities to uh, compete in petty rivalries against former friends of theirs who had since decided to um, ruin them in softball <laughs> by uh, because they got benched in a one game. Wow, you're absolutely right. This is basically the same brand of drama and intrigue that you would find in professional wrestling. Yeah, and from a practical standpoint, uh, none of these guys really had much financial reason to go into wrestling, despite, you know, their obvious uh, physical attributes. Correct. You know, they were all... the you know, To be a professional softball player basically meant that you were a working man working 40 hours a week for the company that was sponsoring your team. And, uh, you know, they got a good living from that. Very few of these teams actually paid their players a salary, but, like, they give you a cushy job in the warehouse or whatever. And, you know, in the case of Rick Scherer, he uh, he had a family to consider. Um, He was raising a little baby Adam Scherer, who, um, in kind of the same tradition of his father, uh, graduated high school and dicked around and worked a lot of odd jobs until randomly stumbling upon the sport that he has now become a megastar in. Well, first strongman competitions and then uh, pro wrestling. And you know what's funny is I remember back, you know, I want to say about five years ago, maybe six years ago, when Adam, when Braun Strowman was still Adam Scher and was just a strongman, I remember hearing about him. Yeah. Because there was like, it was shit on like um, Reddit or like just, ran, just random websites around that were like you know check out this fucking strongman that acts like a professional wrestler like this dude like cuts promos and shit like that and i was like i remember watching him being like yeah you know what this dude does cut promos yeah this dude could be a really fun professional wrestler (laughs) and yeah let me um, let me tell you he got he got a lot of that from his dad apparently this uh this 1986 la times article um rick sherr describes the the future Mrs. Crusher um, <laughs> is saying, I was at a bar half drunk. We were shooting pool together, I guess. Basically to explain how they are now married <laughs> and have a son and a, a lakeside house in North Carolina we in were Denver. shooting pool together, I guess. Yeah. Now isn't that just how we all want to recount and the, the day we've met the love of our life? He says, um, it's okay. It gets boring, but that's country life. And uh, he also uh, described, like I said before, um, he's quoted in this article saying, why, didn't I, why do I have a ponytail? I guess I hate getting a haircut. <laughs> Probably part of the 60s, early 70s movement. It becomes a trademark after a while. Um, every now and then there will be different articles that say, oh, he looks like a hell's angel. 
you know, it might be so, but I'm not. <laughs> I never rode a bike. I never owned one. Looks are just on the surface. This guy is my new fucking hero, and man. Yeah, I with that, uh, I hope we get to see a lot more of, uh, you know, goofy Santa-like wrestling dad Rick Share. Yeah. In in the the crowd at uh, the many pay-per-views that Braun Strowman is going to headline into the future. And hey, and you know hey, what? Someday, you know, I'm sure we're going to get to see Rick the Crusher uh, appear in a WWE ring. Maybe we should be so lucky. And uh, Mister Mister Braun Strowman. Here's to 24 title reigns. May you be as successful in wrestling as your father was in his chosen sport. Amen to that. Now, just want to say real quick thank you for joining us for this very, very special episode of Enhancement Talent. Uh, We'll probably be doing a lot more tangential style episodes going forward where we just have a bit more, uh, you know, open forum discussion. Uh, it's so always going to be somewhat related to wrestling. But, yeah, no uh, matter what, it'll be we tangentially can, we can, we can have fun talking about wrestling without uh, needing to recap every pay per view show or precisely talk about every episode of Raw that comes on. So in case you so if we can have you know if we have fun thinking about it and researching it, then we're going to talk about it. It was a yeah. blast uh, learning a little bit about the w- zany world of 80 slow pitch softball. It was and, a fucking uh, blast I hope you, hope you enjoyed talk about the, it. the episode because <laughs> of that. Um, yeah, you know, check us out on Twitter, uh, jobber underscore city. We're still there. Uh, every Monday and Tuesday, me, Evan, I uh, pretty much recap Raw and SmackDown as I watch it. Um, I hope at least one or two of you think I'm kind of funny once in a while or at least uh, insightful once in a greater while uh you can hit us up via email if you ever have a suggestion of another one of these types of episodes you'd like us to do at no dot talent dot cast at gmail.com or like us on facebook that would be cool too um thanks for listening this was a lot of fun for sure have a good night or afternoon or whenever you're listening to this Enhancement Talent, a wrestling podcast for everybody, was written, produced, and performed by Daniel Thorne and Evan Fox. They are currently sponsored by absolutely nobody. Please sponsor us.